What I want to do is have clear oversight of the digital health domain across the entire work of the national standards body. This will capture standards development activities that are already underway within our medical device and digital health standards committees, but also where we believe the future gaps for standards might be, and also consider how we deliver standards to users in a way that fully addresses their needs. Now, one thing we're seeing in the medical devices space is that they're becoming, medical devices are becoming smarter, they're becoming more connected, they're becoming intelligent, more data-driven, and it's absolutely critical that we've got the right infrastructure in place to be able to address the standardisation opportunities and the, the sector challenges in a timely manner. BSI presents The Standard Show, the podcast that brings you the stories behind the standards with Matthew Childs and Cindy Parakil. Today's episode is on the future of medical devices. Whilst the work programs might be uh, potentially quite large and complicated, the piece we've got to do is figure out where do we go next? Where is standardization going to have the greatest impact? What are the areas we need to be researching now uh, with UCL um, and with uh, broader academia in terms of what the future standards needs might be? Um, and how do we prioritize this list? So, uh, you know, what are the next things we're going to work on? Which topics do we maybe uh, address slightly further down the road? So, overall, for me, it's having this piece of oversight in terms of how BSI can come together to convene standards in a timely manner uh, at an early stage and to be able to do it with a global context as well. Uh, and I think this space around connected and intelligent medical devices is an ideal place for us to play that out. Hello and welcome to The Standard Show. My name is Matthew Childs and the aim of this podcast is to bring you the stories behind the standards. Now, playing us in at the top of the episode was Head of Healthcare Sector for BSI, Rob Turpin, talking about what BSI is going to be doing as a result of a recently published white paper on the challenges posed by connected intelligent medical devices. Now, these are medical devices that incorporate software, artificial intelligence tools, and use communication technologies and networks to transfer, manage, store, and analyze our health data. They can be integrated into existing digital healthcare infrastructures in hospitals, general practice surgeries, patient care homes, and many others. They can also be wearable or implantable, collecting physiological patient data or providing therapeutic options. So an example of this might be remote patient monitoring. Connected intelligent medical devices can automatically collect health metrics like heart rate, blood pressure and temperature from patients who are not physically present in a healthcare environment, eliminating the need for them to travel or to collect the information themselves. Some of these challenges are tackled in this new white paper, The Future of Medical Device Regulation and Standards, dealing with critical challenges for connected intelligent medical devices. The paper is the output of the Reg Med Tech project between BSI, the leading UK university UCL, and the Petrus National Centre of Excellence for IoT Systems Cybersecurity. Petrus itself is a consortium of 23 research institutions, including UCL. The white paper reviews the main trends in the existing standards and regulatory landscape applicable to connected intelligent medical devices. And while the paper brings important information from several jurisdictions, mainly the EU, the UK and the United States, 
and highlights issues that are transnational in nature, affecting the healthcare sector as a whole, it has a predominant focus on UK and EU legislation and initiatives. The paper is being co-authored by Dr Andrew McQuashy, a research fellow at the UCL Department of Science, Technology, Engineering and Public Policy, or STEEP, and Dr Arena Brass, an Associate Professor in Regulation, Innovation and Public Policy, also from STEEP. Arena is a member of the BSI Standards Policy and Strategy Committee, or SPSC, as well as a member and former chair of the IoT1 Standards Committee. She's also an immensely passionate advocate of standards education and research, and a big friend of The Standard Show too. Now, it's worth saying that overall, universities and academics make an enormous contribution to standards, and BSI's relationship with them is long-standing. Academics sit on committees as standards makers. They carry out research on the use and impact of standards, and they teach about the role and value of standards on a wide range of university courses and programmes. So in this episode, we'll hear from Andrew McQuashy, one of these academics and one of the co-authors of the white paper, and also more from Rob Turpin. We'll also hear from Emma Glass about BSI's wider ambition to develop and expand this kind of research partnership with universities. Now, although this is a Matthew Without Cindy episode, here is Cindy with a quick reminder. This is Cindy Parakil here with a quick reminder that here on The Standard Show, we really welcome your feedback. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, especially if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Find and follow us on Twitter at Standard Show and on Instagram at The Standard Show. And check out the show notes for all of the ways to get in touch. So I got together with Rob Turpin and Andrew McQuashy to talk about the medical devices white paper and this whole relationship between standards, regulation and connected intelligent medical devices. With a 21-year career in standards, yes, 21 years, Rob is head of healthcare sector at BSI, a position he has held for the past 10 years and is responsible for growing BSI's presence and that of standards in healthcare policy and delivery. And over the past decade, he has led a number of projects, including many on digital healthcare and medical devices. Andrew McQuashy is Research Fellow in Regulation and Standardisation of Connected Intelligent Medical Devices at UCL. His research background is on regulatory policy and law, as it relates to the development and commercialisation of medical devices. I started by asking Rob about why healthcare generally and medical devices in particular, are such important areas for BSI, standards and patient safety. If you think about the vast scale of the healthcare sector, it it means that our standards have many, many touch points within both the organisations that deliver healthcare, but also those organisations that supply the healthcare system. Uh, And if you look at our standards portfolio, we have standards covering management of patient records, standards that cover improvement in safety and service quality. Uh, And even more recently, if you think about uh, ambitions for net zero and carbon reduction, we're we're supporting the NHS to become greener. Our standards also have a specific relationship with the regulation of medical devices. uh, And global consensus standards 
are used to help manufacturers to place their products on the market. Uh, and this is by specifying the requirements they need to meet in order to gain regulatory approval. So this includes criteria relating to the quality and risk management of medical devices, how you package and label them, how they're evaluated in a clinical situation, uh, usability and human factors of devices, uh, the life cycle that software has to go through, plus many, many other requirements. And, and for me, I think an, an important area for standardization is where innovation and regulation come together. So connected and intelligent medical devices is a perfect example of where this happens. And we see an increased application of data-driven and digital medical technologies under development and being placed on the market. And whilst the regulation sets out principles for protecting the public interest, what we often see is radical innovation changes the way we look at patient safety, security and, and product performance. So cybersecurity and data governance principles in medical devices are really important aspects that need to be addressed properly. And if you look, look at the introduction of artificial intelligence and machine learning algorithms that can learn and adapt in response to real-time data, this adds further safety considerations around autonomy and bias that we haven't really necessarily uh, considered with traditional software. So I very much see this as a, as a growth area, and it's a, it's a key focus for us in terms of standardization at the moment. So you say it's a growth uh, area, Robert. You've touched on the sort of regulatory environment. I just wonder, you know, in terms of that sort of national, international regulatory environment, who are the, who's involved and, and what, they, what do they do? And I suppose, what's our relationship as a national standards body uh, with sort of other bodies at European and international level? Sort of, sort of sketch out for me that regulatory framework, that environment. Yeah, well, as I mentioned, we're very much doing this in a global context. So across the globe, medical device regulators tend to follow a set of internationally agreed principles that define the safety and performance requirements of medical devices. And this is through a, an organization called the International Medical Devices Regulators Forum, IMDRF. And what you find is whilst the legislation varies across each country, it's often these global principles, along with the international standards that we help to set, that bring a convergence in the way that medical devices are placed on the market. The vast majority of medical device manufacturers sell products into multiple markets, not just a, a single country. And they can only really achieve this by following globally agreed best practices for designing, manufacturing and maintaining this, their products. Otherwise, you would find they would have to follow a completely different set of rules for each country uh, that they place their products on the market. And in the digital health domain, we're seeing plenty of activities amongst regulators so in the US, the, the FDA is leading on a number of approaches on how they will regulate software and artificial intelligence. In Europe, we've seen uh, a recent introduction of new medical device regulations, which include provisions for software. And separately in the EU, they're also intending to introduce a general artificial intelligence regulation. So potentially two pieces of legislation that play out in that space. And in the UK, we're in the process of developing our own sovereign medical device regulations. Software and artificial intelligence are likely to be an area where we see slightly different approaches to regulation compared to the current rules that exist. 
And these differences could include new ways of classifying software risks, uh, a greater focus on cybersecurity, and also some additional requirements for medical devices that incorporate artificial intelligence. And another thing we might expect to see is new regulatory pathways that help to accelerate deployment of digital technologies in the marketplace, maybe through conditional licensing. So from BSI's perspective, we're looking at supporting digital health innovation in both a national and a global context. The UK regulator, MHRA, is undertaking a greater international role and they recognise the value of global consensus standards. So it's important we work closely with them, but also in alignment with other countries. We have a very good relationship with MHRA and with other international standards bodies and regulators. So we can really use this as a footprint to do something that helps to address the challenges from a UK perspective, but also plays out in that global context that I've discussed. I could see, Rob, just the importance of uh, of developing things at sort of international level. You sort of explained there the sort of close relationship that standards bodies have to have with with regulators, obviously in this area of, of healthcare generally, but certainly around areas of, of, of connected intelligent medical devices. Now, at the start of the episode, Rob, I talked in sort of general terms about the role and importance of universities and, and academics to standards development, and also about the contribution broadly of research. But I'm just wondering, you know, we've talked about the regulation side of things, but with your interest in supporting the healthcare sector generally and looking to create standard solutions for, for healthcare, how important is the role of academic research for what you do? So when innovation and regulation come together, I think it's vitally important that BSI engages with the academic community. Regulatory and safeguarding standards are generally quite mature, so any updates we see to them tend to be quite small and incremental in nature. But then innovation through emerging technologies and new services often disrupts the traditional ways we ensure the safety, security and performance of medical technologies for patients and the public. Therefore, we need to have a view of what will drive the biggest shifts in healthcare technology over the next few years. And working with academia provides us with these insights and helps us to define where our future focus might be. So we include academic representation within our standards development processes and our standards committees. However, academia also plays an important pre-standardization role in areas that are not yet mature enough for standards development, but will be in the future. And our aim is to be able to convene standards, the standard setting process early and rapidly. So it's really important that we're connected into relevant academic research programs And this is a trend that we're also starting to see in other countries, such as the US. Um, So we've undertaken some joint work, for example, with a US standards development organization on uh, how artificial intelligence would be uh, managed in the regulatory process. And that's led to a need uh, or demonstration that we need to focus on data management and bias. And also when you think of cybersecurity of medical devices, We've never really dealt with that as bespoke standards. So really, we're looking to academia uh, and universities to help us solve some of these challenges from a pre-standardization perspective. Rob was speaking there about the general landscape for standards in healthcare and about some of the relationship issues between BSI as a national standards body and the regulator environment in the UK and internationally. 
He was also talking about the role of universities and researchers in healthcare, medical devices and standards, and where standards fit in the relationship between innovation and regulation, that pre-standardisation work that he referred to. So I wanted to bring in Andrew McQuashie to talk about the contribution of academics in this area, and in particular, the new medical devices white paper, developed as a result of the partnership between BSI, UCL and Petrus, which has highlighted the critical policy challenges for connected intelligent medical devices. But before we got to that, I started by asking him what motivates him to research this area. I would, I would say the motivation behind my research interest in this critical uh, area emanates from my awareness and realization that uh, the adoption of these connected intelligent medical devices in medical and clinical practice uh, can really affect patient safety and their health outcomes with tremendously damaging consequences for patient well-being, the healthcare staff and the healthcare system and the wider health industry across the globe. A lot of software-based uh, medical devices or a software as a medical device have poor cybersecurity specifications, uh, such as default passwords. They don't have a clear software update, you know, policy, and yet they are in use constantly in in in, in hospital settings. They are also intelligent, running powerful AI tools. E.g., in uh, for example, in uh, in uh, in diagnosis, but these algorithms are opaque. Healthcare practitioners rarely know how an AI tool arrives to a particular conclusion or a decision. And uh, medical applications such as cancer prediction software are a good example where explainability is essential, since it is a, a, or it is considered as a critical and a life or a death prediction problem, in which high focusing. Uh, accuracy and interpretation are two equally essential and significant tasks to, to achieve. But currently, interpreting and uh, explanation of these prediction software is one the, one of the greatest limitations. This then raises like the question, how can AI-based medical device be trusted if it is not fully understood. So these kinds of issues motivate me to research further in this area. Now, the title of the white paper is The Future of Medical Device Regulation and Standards Dealing with Critical Challenges for Connected Intelligent Medical Devices. I suppose the obvious question here is, what are the challenges? And I'm also interested in, in the connection between these challenges and patient safety and, and patient outcomes. That's a great question. So our white paper has shed light uh, on some of the critical challenges faced by different stakeholders in relation to the existing regulations and standards applicable to connected intelligent medical devices. And these findings were gathered and validated by a considerable number of uh, practitioners and experts in, uh, in the sector, which were convened through our research. So I will only highlight uh, four of these challenges. First, uh, the issues of uh, responsibility and liability are very complex for the stakeholders in case of a security breach or a malfunctioning of a device due to input or output errors caused by AI or artificial intelligence software. So currently, 
liability legislation was not written with software in mind. So in our paper, we highlight this as a critical gap in the current legislation. And there is definitely a need to set clearer responsibility lines and liability rules, especially for AI-based tools in safety critical uh, sectors such as healthcare. And uh, solutions to to this liability challenge uh, could be, for example, when 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 cybersecurity breaches occur, multiple fa- uh, failures at various levels are involved. Consequently, we may need to look at uh, shared responsibility models that uh, you know can be applied across the medical device supply chain, including the software developers, the manufacturers themselves. Um, suppliers, authorized representatives, some distributors, and ultimately the vendors in order to address the software liability issue. And also sector-specific regulatory guidelines and, uh, and, and standards can help clarify software lifecycle quality controls and risk management processes which can help organization, uh, organizations achieve more clarity regarding their responsibility and accountability for the outcomes of AI-based medical devices and the human oversight uh, of these uh, AI systems. The second issue is that uh, embedded connectivity and uh, intelligence has also ex- uh, exposed vulnerabilities to patient safety and uh, device functionality across the medical device life cycle. Another issue here uh, is that uh, a compromised device can give access to other devices in the hospital network, for example. And in addition, many internet-connected medical devices, uh, such as um, remote patient monitoring or heart rate monitoring devices, they actually store uh, or transmit patients' data. And once a patient is, uh, well, once a a device is is compromised, it can have consequences for the integrity of the data and well-being of the patient. For example, several vulnerabilities were organized in the drug infusion uh, uh, pumps. They were recognized in the drug infusion pumps, which are typically used for the delivery of small doses of medication, such as antibiotics, chemotherapy, uh, and and pain relievers. And the security threat detected could allow a remote attacker to gain unauthorized access and impact the intended operation of the pump, including the administration of fatal doses. So the challenge in this is how to detect and um, manage these cybersecurity vulnerabilities, especially in connected uh, medical devices, you know, that do not have a clear vulnerability reporting, uh, maintenance, and software uh, update policy. And there are a number of uh, uh, highly published uh, incidents in which hackers have uncovered cybersecurity vulnerabilities in connected medical medical devices and uh, also uh, device software that could potentially allow them to gain remote access and control their operation. For example, the St. Jude's, uh, it was St. Jude's um, pacemakers 
that uh, were subject to attack in 2016. And then in, I think, three years later, we saw Medtronic's insulin pumps being recalled due to potential cybersecurity vulnerabilities in 2019. So it is vital or it is of vital importance uh, that manufacturers consider an effective cybersecurity strategy that addresses possible cybersecurity risks, not only during the development, but throughout the life of the software medical device. I'd like to pick up on what Andrew said there. So in healthcare, we regulate products, we regulate healthcare services, and we regulate professionals separately. And as medical technology becomes smarter and more intelligent, the boundaries between these regulators have become blurred. So if something goes wrong, who's to blame? And I'm aware of bits of work that are already underway to bring different safeguarders and regulators together. Um, And one of the things we're really keen to do is to consider how standards can provide a wider benefit to those responsible for the deployment of digital health solutions and maybe address some of those liability concerns. In terms of cybersecurity, I agree it needs to be considered across the entire supply chain and life cycle for the device. Medical device regulations do ensure that manufacturers address cyber risks within the environment that their devices operate and not just the device itself. But potentially this could be a focus area for future standardisation. So Andrew, you've mentioned a couple of the the challenges, the the liability concerns and also detecting and managing cybersecurity vulnerabilities. You mentioned a couple of other challenges you wanted to highlight. Yes, um, um, the third challenge, which uh, actually highlights a critical area that hasn't been resolved and is uh, preoccupying a lot of regulators at the moment, is the risk classification of medical devices that are dynamic in nature. So this is more complex in that data-driven medical technologies with adoptive uh, algorithms or continuous learning capabilities, you know, they may uh, present one risk uh, profile during the initial product development process and a different risk profile after the device has been deployed for use with with patients. This challenge then raises the question, how do we regulate software that is continuously learning or changing its output in response to new data. So over, the, over time, these kinds of uh, you know, changes might introduce unknown risks, overwriting um, existing risk profiles originally envisioned by developers and, and, and regulators. A fourth and uh, last challenge uh, that uh, I would like to highlight here, which is also highlighted in our paper, is um, responsible and accountable data management across the life cycle of a medical device, covering input, output, transfer, storage, and analytics. So we, 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 when, when we actually interviewed uh, different stakeholders that were involved in our project, they highlighted uh, data integrity as a persistent challenge in the current healthcare sector, and yet the integrity of data in transit or at rest must be protected from uh, unintended or unauthorized modification. So there is need to have data that is uh, complete, data that is uh, accurate, data that is secure and consistent, and uh, new standards must be able to capture processes for monitoring, uh, whether it's detection, correction, and reporting 
measures is, uh, you know, uh, inevitable data gaps or compromises emerge. So these are some of the critical challenges uh, that we have highlighted in our paper. Andrew's hit the nail on the head there with uh, two areas where we really need to think about the pre-standardization piece and where academia comes into this discussion. So particularly with the risk profile, we can't just use uh, a traditional risk profile for some of the smarter uh, connected and intelligent medical devices on the market now. We really need to think about what are the risks when you introduce technologies such as artificial intelligence, it, it introduces new hazards potentially that need to be considered. Um, so how are those being considered? What does the risk profile look like? And again, with uh, responsible and accountable data management, we need to think about the entire life cycle of a medical device. So again, it's one of those topics that's probably been thought about a bit, but it needs um a lot more and a lot deeper exploration um, as we start to move towards um, sort of a greater use of data to, to drive how medical devices work. Just thinking, Rob, overall, you know, what sort of contribution this research, the, the white paper um, will make to, to BSI's healthcare strategy and our, our overall thinking, really, you know, what, what contribution will it make overall? Well, at the moment, we're currently putting together our action plan for 2023, and digital health is going to be a significant area of focus that, that we will want to uh, concentrate on during during the next 12 months. Uh, one of the things we're looking to do is support the regulator, MHRA, with their medical device software change program. Uh, so that covers traditional software, smart software, but also artificial intelligence. Um, and I guess beyond that, more broadly, we, we still want to support um, broader regulatory science in digital health. So that's working with the regulator, but a number of wider government and healthcare partners, including the NHS. And then I think there's also this uh, global context to our strategy and making sure that whatever we create for the UK also uh, can be played out at a global level. So that's very much about... Which other standards bodies can we partner with? Um, are there international regulators that we can we can take our message to? So I think really those three areas, it's it's the specifics around what the UK regulator wants to do. It's that broader area around uh, regulatory science in digital health, where we want to involve the NHS and other healthcare organisations more broadly, and then that international consideration too. So obviously, Andrew, you've been involved uh, in developing this white paper. We just heard from Rob there about about the contribution it's going to make to BSI's thinking and to the, and to the stands community. Really, I just wonder, from your perspective, from from putting your you know your researcher hat on, where where do we need more research here? Where would where would you like the research to go next in this field? I think it will be quite good if uh, the researchers start to look at. Uh, uh, the readiness of uh, different stakeholders, particularly those at the point of care, because most of the standards and regulation, they seem to be targeting the manufacturers or the pre-market uh, aspect. But uh, the post-market, especially the point of care, some of the st stakeholders are not really ready. So I think research, if it can go over that direction, it could also be good. And also, there are some gaps that we have highlighted in terms of the, uh, the accountability, the re reliability, 
and and uh, the, the the liability of uh, of, of, of these uh, artificial intelligent uh, tools. So more research, if it can focus on those areas, that will be great. So I just wonder, Rob, looking to the, to the future then, you know, what are the, some of the efforts that we put in place, you know, bystanders, makers like, like BSI, to support and promote innovations in the area of medical device software? Where do we go next? Something I'm really keen to do is to take forward the academic research that Andrew's undertaken for us. Um, with some of our internal conversations around our knowledge of the sector, uh, our committee's work program, uh, but also our medical devices content strategy. And what I want to do is have clear oversight of the digital health domain across the entire work of the National Standards Body. Uh, so this will, in, uh, this will capture standards development activities that are already underway um, within our medical device and digital health standards committees, but also where we believe the future gaps for standards might be, um, and also consider how we deliver standards to users in a way that fully addresses their needs. Uh, now, one thing we're seeing in the medical devices space is that they're becoming medical devices are becoming smarter, they're becoming more connected. They're becoming intelligent, more data-driven, and it's absolutely critical that we've got the right infrastructure in place to be able to address the standardization opportunities uh, and the, the sector challenges in a timely manner. So whilst the work programs might be uh, potentially quite large and complicated, the piece we've got to do is figure out where do we go next? Where is standardization going to have the greatest impact what are the areas we need to be researching now uh, with UCL um, and with uh, broader academia in terms of what the future standards needs might be? Um, and how do we prioritize this list? So, uh, you know, what are the next things we're going to work on? Which topics do we maybe uh, address slightly further down the road? So, overall, for me, it's having this piece of oversight in terms of how. BSI can come together to convene standards in a timely manner uh, at an early stage and to be able to do it with a global context as well. Uh, and I think this space around connected and intelligent medical devices is an ideal place for us to play that out. If you want to make a difference and shape and change the world to make it a better and fairer place, then why not become a standards maker with BSI? Standards affect all of us every day, wherever we go, whatever we do. By defining good practice, they help people, organizations, the economy and society to do things better. We have hundreds of committees working on thousands of standards, from artificial intelligence to zinc-enriched crops and everything in between, including medical devices and other forms of healthcare technology. We welcome applicants from all fields, backgrounds and career stages. Our goal is simple, to have a balance of views around the standards-making table. So start your standards-making journey now by visiting bsigroup.com forward slash get involved. Now, at the start of the episode, I'd mentioned about BSI's wider ambitions for university partnerships and the work of Emma Glass. Emma's role is all about strengthening university partnerships in healthcare. And I wanted to know more from Emma about why these types of collaborations are important. But we started with her standards journey. 
So Emma, welcome back to The Standard Show. Thank you, Matthew. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> it's great to have you back. Now, you and I spoke... Uh, well, we speak a lot, obviously, because we do of work course. together. But uh, we spoke for episode 62 when we did an episode, didn't we, on standards education in Europe. Yes, that was it. Exactly. Yeah. Now, we spoke a little bit then about your standards journey, but I want to cover I want to cover it again for those that haven't listened to that episode. So what's been your standards journey? How and when did it start for you and where are you now? That is a very good question. So um, I would say I'm still relatively new to the standards world. So I joined BSI just over a year ago now. Uh, And prior to that, I was working for an academic publisher. So getting to work really closely with academics and healthcare, uh, launching new journals and and commissioning articles and, and really kind of collaborating with the academics to recruit them to the editorial boards. So the great thing about my role now at BSI is that I get to continue to work closely with academics, um, you know, and really share in their passion and enthusiasm for the work that they're doing. Um, And it's really about understanding their research objectives and their priorities for their students and thinking about how BSI can support and collaborate with them and really use standardization as a key tool for for helping to solve any any problems. Um, I have loved the last 12 months. It's been such a privilege to establish this role and obviously get to work really closely with you, Matthew, um, but really growing and developing the partnerships that BSI has with universities in healthcare technologies. And uh, now I'm really pleased to say that BSI is partnered on 10 research proposals. Um, and we've also hosted four educational workshops in collaboration with leading institutions such as Strathclyde as just one example. So it's it's been a hell of a ride, that's for sure. A hell of a lot in uh, in 12 months and it's been wonderful working with you too Emma let's just put it, let's just put that out there Thanks, now in this episode we've been talking about um, regulation and standards as they relate to medical technology and connected intelligent medical devices in particular and also about that really important white paper that came as a result of a partnership between BSI UCL and Petrus but I just wonder broadly you mean you've talked you've hinted at this already but why are research partnerships like like this one between BSI, UCL and Petrus, you know, why are they so important for BSI and for standards? So I think you've really hit the nail on the head. These partnerships are so important for BSI and they provide an amazing opportunity for researchers and experts at BSI to come together, bringing their knowledge and their shared experiences from their respective fields to really understand what the critical gaps are in standards and in the research areas and think about how we can work together to really provide some sort of um, you know, solution along the way. Uh, furthermore, it's an amazing opportunity for BSI and also early career researchers and students to collaborate, to share knowledge and really support industry in such a focused setting. Um, It's a really valuable exchange between the two. You know, it works both ways um, and a really important, important part of the work that I'm doing here at BSI. So you talked there, Emma, about about the sort of, uh, I think it was 10, 10 of these partnerships sort of in development at the moment. So in terms of their importance for for BSI and for standards, you know, what is that? What are we hoping they will lead to? So I think that's a, that's a really great question, actually, Matthew. So so it's about uh, BSI being involved in emerging areas of research from the outset and really making sure that standards play a vital part in those conversations so that we are able to provide our knowledge and expertise around the standards landscape, but then also making sure that as these research areas develop and progress, standards are a key part of that conversation. So, for example, emerging areas that we're looking at at the moment include things like 
in Silico Medicine, uh, this idea around digital health hubs, so really bringing together um, experts in the digital health field and, and convening those, those discussions, um, and then also thinking about things such as AI and synthetic data. So there's so many really, really exciting areas, innovative areas, and it's about making sure that we are involved and um, standards can play a key part in how that innovation progresses. So the importance then, Emma, you mentioned there about being at the outset of those conversations. And I suppose for the, you know, as a standards making body or the standards community, what, why is it important that we're there at the very start of those conversations? So for the digital health hubs example, it's really about BSI acting as a convener and facilitator of these key discussions around emerging areas. So one of the key objectives of the digital health hubs is actually to ensure that translation of knowledge between academia and industry and back again. So BSI has a wealth of experience in bringing together these key stakeholders um, and we can really add to this and support also the next generation of, of early career researchers um, as part of that. So thinking about educational tools that we can supply as part of this offering, um, you know, hosting uh, researchers and as part of a placement as well with BSI uh, to really support the work and the innovation that's going on. The digital health hubs are key example, key examples of the kinds of things that we're doing to support this this research in particular. So um, BSI is looking to offer training on standards in collaboration with this expert community and the external creators that are that are involved in the, the hub. Uh, we're also thinking about how we can support the next generation of, of researchers and standards makers. So um, providing early career researchers with placements at BSI um, and really supporting their projects, much like the the student research programs that um, you you run as well, Matthew. Um, And it's all about that kind of co-creation and co-design with the hub partners. So thinking about what educational tools BSI can supply as as part of this um, and how we can really look to facilitate the key conversations. I suppose at the heart of this, Emma, is a lot, a lot of this work because it's it's um, dealing with issues that are emerging. It's because lots of definitions and lots of new terms being developed. So is there all the standards there to sort of help with that in the first place as, as these new ideas are being developed? Is that an important aspect of this? Oh, definitely. I think that there's so much potential around this kind of pre-standardization work. So as you say, it's about understanding what the key terminology are, what the the kind of barriers and challenges are to do with these emerging areas as well. And then thinking about how, uh, you know, BSI can support and alleviate some of those issues through standardization. Now, I want to come back uh, in a second to sort of, uh, you've talked there, sort of general terms about research partnerships and the work that you do and why this is important for BSI. But just back to sort of the BSI, UCL and Petrus uh, partnership here. What role have you played in that through the development of, of the partnership? So it's been really, really exciting, actually, because as I said, I when this this partnership was first established, this was long before I joined uh, VSI. But it's it's been great to actually kind of be a part of the discussions, understand what it is, what the critical critical challenges are for for the Irina and Andrew uh, as part of this project, and then really uh, make sure that the university partnerships, you know, almost use this as a key example of how we can then look to do other research projects and other examples going forward. Um, So I've really been part of the discussions and making sure that everybody's happy on both sides uh, and also getting to attend the various events that um, Petras have hosted as well. So we had a really great day at the the community, uh, Petras community 
conference back in June, I think it was. Um, so all these opportunities to kind of bring together academics with this particular focus in mind and, and really build on the work that's been going on. And of course, it's been great working so closely with the health sector team on, on this particular project. So um, Rob and Paul providing their you know years of experience and wealth of knowledge um, and really shaping the, the focus and, and where this work is going. And my role is, is particularly exciting because I do get to to work between multiple teams here at BSI. So I work really closely with the health sector and, and my objectives and my purpose are really closely aligned with the health sector strategy. But at the same time, I'm, I'm within uh, the standards policy team. So thinking about that engagement and the, the long-term um, solutions as well. Moving seamlessly between teams and wearing multiple hats, if that's exactly. not mixing my metaphors there, really. There but they've done a brilliant <laughs> job. Now, Emma, I just wonder if, you know, looking at looking at sort of pulling back again and thinking about uh, researchers and other universities, you know, what? How, how do they get involved? How can they get involved with the sorts of work that you're doing? So it is so easy for other researchers and universities to get involved. Uh, and it's just a case of, of reaching out to me. Uh, we can have a conversation. We can think about what the key areas of interest are within healthcare technologies and really identify how we can work together to solve the pressing issues in partnership. That's the key key part. Um, and it's so funny that you say that. So the other day I was at the University of Reading uh, as part of the Future Blood Testing Network uh, conference. Uh, and as soon as I started mentioning how we support research proposals and we offer uh, guest talks to students um, you know there was always there was suddenly so much more attention and so much more enthusiasm because people really are keen for BSI to get involved and, and you know help their students and ha- help their their um, proposal applications it was so great because they were so keen and enthusiastic for BSI to get involved and really make a contribution to, to the work that they're doing so honestly just just reach out and, and let's let's get the conversation started. So Emma, you've talked there about, um, obviously, most of the work here you're doing is around UK universities and UK-based sort of policy and regulation issues. I just wonder, given that standards being sort of European and international game here, uh, what are the what are the opportunities that this, that this presents to work internationally on these research partnerships? So that is a really good question, Matthew, and something that is is just developing as uh, as this role kind of grows and, and matures. Um, so I will actually be heading to Washington, D.C. in October to attend the AMI BSI International Standards Conference. You better tell us, you better tell us what AMI is. Uh, so, yeah, so AMI is the Association for the Advancement of Medical Device Instrumentation, um, and they're basically the equivalent of BSI, but in the, in the States. Um, and there's a really exciting opportunity to collaborate and work with the education lead there uh, and then also potentially meet with the US uh, University Consortium as well. So I'm very excited and very much looking forward to, to how that those conversations develop. And you talked actually at the very beginning of our conversation, you'd mentioned about, about the education resources you're involved in developing. Now, obviously, the heart of your role is about um, developing those research partnerships and supporting uh, academics with institutions and also colleagues within BSI, sort of operating at the set of sort of facilitating convening those conversations. But as a result of that, 
you're also heavily involved in producing education resources. So tell about some of the standards education work that you're doing. Yeah, so the, the standards education work is, is really exciting and, and such a great opportunity to work with students from all across the UK. Um, so we've, we've developed a, a kind of set framework within the healthcare standards space, which looks to provide students with some education about, um, you know, very popular and widely used standards, but then to try and engage and get the get the students to actually apply and use the standards within a very real patient case studies. For example, um, we actually earlier this year hosted a session at the University of Strathclyde with 40 MSc and uh, undergraduate students in the biomedical engineering space Um, and it was an amazing opportunity to really get the students to engage and think about standards in a very real context. So we asked them to look at uh, specific medical devices and then identify the potential risks uh, using the standards as a key tool to do that. Um, and the response that we had from the students was really, really positive. So I think it was something like 80% agreed that the content was engaging, that it was useful. Uh, and uh, and we're, we're looking to do it again in Newcastle later this year. And you mentioned a moment ago about, about getting in touch, you know, academics and researchers getting in touch around standards research and about using standards in their research. I presume a similar thing for for standards education, academics and students reaching out to you to say, actually, how can you help and support us? Yes, 100%. So, um, yeah, it's just a case of, of reaching out and, and you know, invite, inviting me along to, to your your um, student sessions and, and I'd be more than happy to attend and, and really get involved and, and look to see how we can align the work and the, the teaching that we have with the key objectives of the modules as well. Emma, you've talked about uh, the research side and then explained some of some of the standards education work you're doing. I suppose um, one isn't more important than the other, really. I suppose it's more about bringing those two sides together because universities obviously are very, very interested in conducting research, but also delivering high quality teaching. So is that why you've approached the, 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 the issue in this way? Yes, 100%. So it's about making sure that we can, you know, collaborate and work with academics and, and support the emerging research that they're doing, but also that we can make sure that we are supporting the next generation of researchers who could potentially be standards makers and standard users going forward as well. Are you a postgraduate studying at a UK university? Do you have a research idea or project that involves standards in some way? Well, if so, BSI Student Research Program can help. The way it works is simple. We gain valuable information about an area of interest to our standards work, while you can benefit from mentorship to support your project and the chance to gain knowledge and exposure that may increase your future employability. To find out more about the program, including case studies of previously supported projects and how to apply, visit BSI Group dot com forward slash education so my thanks to rob turpin andrew mcquashy and emma glass for speaking to me for this episode of the standard show and i should also say thank you to arena brass from ucl and paul sim from bsi the paul that emma mentioned for their fantastic contributions now to find out more about medical devices and standards and to read a copy of the white paper the future of medical device regulation and standards then check out the links in the show notes you have been listening to an episode of the standard show with matthew childs and cindy parakil subscribe to us now wherever you get your podcasts
You just heard a stripped media production. 